Am I on? Good morning. Good to be back with my family here. Glory to God. Hey, praise the worship team. You're awesome. Pastor Amy, you're awesome. Come on, give him a hand. Awesome. I traveled for over 20 years with the late Kenneth E. Hagan, and uh, he made this statement often when we were in services like this one. Even before the preaching, he'd get up and say, man, we could go home now and say it was good to have been there. <laughs> Amen. That's the way I feel as well. Praise God. Well, I recognize a lot of you. Some of you don't. How many have never heard me preach before? Let me see your hands. Oh, my goodness. So I've been coming here longer than you have. <laughs> well, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Larry Hutton. Um, born and raised in Tampa, Florida, lived there 27 years, couldn't find a beach bunny. I was a beach bum, but couldn't find a beach bunny. So I went to Colorado and found a snow bunny and, uh, married her. She and I have been married for 37 years now. And, uh, in fact, I don't know if you saw me what during praise and worship, I was shooting a video of all of y'all praise and worshiping God. Did you, did you see me doing that? Well, I sent it to Liz, my wife, because she wasn't able to come with me this trip. So I sent it to her just to show how much fun we were having. And uh, so she sent me a text back, said, oh, I wish I was there giving my love. So she sends her love. But um, I started preaching in 1980 and uh, been preaching a long time now, travel the world. I'm on the road out of 52 weeks, about 40 to 45 weeks every year for the last 37 years. And uh, so this is what I do. This is what I'm called to do. I'm called to travel the world and teach and preach and let people know God is good and he's good all the time. I, I grew up in church, but I did not know God. And finally, years ago, I um, in the late 70s, I came to a church like this one, got under a good pastor like Pastor Goodluck and uh, changed my life. And uh I had an incurable disease in my body, and God healed me of that incurable disease. And, and then he taught me, which if you were here last time, God taught me how to walk in peace 365 days a year without, without any more down days, depressed days. I don't have those days anymore because God showed me how to live above them. And then he set me free financially. He uh, took, I mean, I'm just a little country boy from Odessa, Florida, and he and he took a, a little boy like me out of debt and made me a millionaire. And, and I say that to his glory. I'm a millionaire not because of my wisdom, but because of his. And um, so I'm thankful. Uh, I serve a good God. He, he loves me so much. I'm, I'm, I'm his favorite. <laughs> and guess what? You are too. Because <laughs> we're all one in him. We're the body. We need each other. And so one thing that God's called me to do, and probably maybe a lot of you don't know this, but back in when I was traveling, uh, helping Brother Hagen and preaching in his meetings years ago, um, the Lord spoke to me to teach the body of Christ on financial freedom, on biblical finance. And what does God have to say about money in the Bible? And man, when he called me to do that, I didn't want anything to do with that. <laughs> in fact, I actually told the Lord no when I heard him tell me, to, to, he, he said it this way, he said, prepare to teach, this was in 1989, prepare to teach the body of Christ on biblical prosperity. And he emphasized the word biblical. And when he said that to me, I said, Lord, thank you, but no thank you. I'm serious. I told him no. And, and if any of you remember what was happening in the mid and late 80s on national television with some preachers concerning money, I, I wanted nothing to do with it. So um, I just told the Lord no, and he quit talking to me. I didn't know that, but the next few days when I would go in my prayer time and read the Bible, I felt like a lost person. It actually went on for seven days. On the seventh day, I was in my office trying to study the Word. You know when you read the Bible and you read the begats and how boring it is? Come on, come on, get real, come on. Come on, you read so-and-so, begat so-and-so, and, and it's just as boring as can be, right? So I was reading Corinthians, and, if he, and it was as boring as the begats. So I remember on that seventh day, I hadn't put two and two together seven days earlier. I told the Lord, no, I'm not going to obey you. But on that seventh day, I remember in my office just feeling lost. I know I'm saved, but I feel lost. I feel like my prayers aren't getting anywhere. And so I, I remember walking out of my office, 
down the hall into the master bedroom. My wife was back there, and I said, Liz, I said, have you been hearing from the Lord lately? I didn't tell her I had not, but I said, have you been hearing from the Lord? And she said, well, yeah. I said, has he said anything to you that you'd want to share anything? And she said, well, yeah. She said, "Uh, God told me he called you to teach the body of Christ on biblical prosperity. I said, he did? She said, yeah. I said, what would you tell him? She said, not my husband. You find somebody else. So we both repented because we realized we were disobeying God. And, and then from that time till now, when the Lord directs me, I teach on that subject. And I'm saying all that because it's not an easy subject to preach or talk about, to be honest. Because I'm just as human as you are. I like people to like me. <laughs> and, and when you start talking about that subject in some places, they all of a sudden just don't like you. <laughs> So it's not easy to do that. But when you have a heart for God like I do, this is my life. This is, this is what I do. It's what I love. He healed me of an incurable disease. He set me free financially, set me free emotionally. Gosh, it's just, it's so good. This life that I live is so good. I want everybody to know. So... Please don't hold it against me that I'm going to talk about money. (laughs) I'm I'm going to talk about biblical finance. Because the way he set me free is not by my wisdom. It's by me doing what the Bible says. And so I'm just going to show you some things this morning and tonight. Hopefully tonight's service is more important than the Super Bowl. Hello. I've told people, I said, listen, if the Super Bowl is that important to you, Devo it, record it, whatever, come to church because the Super Bowl is not going to affect your finances the next 12 months and a year and so forth, but the service will. So come, come get God's word, let it change your life and then go watch the recorded Super Bowl, you know, hallelujah. Turn in your Bibles to Proverbs 13, Proverbs chapter 13. Thank you, Lord. We're going to go to verse 18 this morning, Proverbs 13:18, And it says this, I'm reading from the New King James Bible. It says, poverty and shame will come to him who disdains correction. The King James says uh, instruction. But he who regards a rebuke will be honored. Poverty and shame will come to him who disdains correction. But he who regards a rebuke will be honored. One reason I think the Lord wants me to share on this subject this morning is something he spoke to me uh, at the beginning of the year. I was seeking the Lord. In fact, I was driving from Florida up to Georgia, my wife and I, to spend New Year's with my daughter and her husband. So I was just praying in the Spirit for a six-hour, six-hour drive. And um, uh, all of the Lord's, all of a sudden, the Lord spoke to me and said this, it is a time that I have made for my, my body, it's a time of open season. Are there any hunters in the house? You know, what, you know what the Lord means by open season then. When all restrictions are lifted and, and all things that could stop you from doing things are taken away and, and, and it's just open season. I used to work for the airlines many years ago and in the airlines um, they would say, they would use that statement like 30 minutes before the flight was going to leave. This was before a seat seat assignment and all that stuff. They said, now it's open season. So in other words, you could get any seat you wanted. Open season. When God spoke that to me, then I realized, okay, it's open season. It's time for us to receive the blessings of heaven, walk in the blessings of heaven, and put the blessings of heaven on display so that we're letting our light so shine before the world. They see all the good stuff God's doing for us, and then they want to glorify our Father in heaven. Amen? So Proverbs thirteen eighteen: Poverty and shame will come to him who disdains correction. The word correction in King James is instruction. Actually, the Hebrew word means correction, warning, doctrine, and instruction. So I think about, so it's talking then, because remember 2 Timothy 
3.16 says that God's Word is profitable for correction and instruction. So we know it's talking about God's Word here. Poverty and shame come to those who refuse the correction, the instruction, the warning, or the doctrine. So God's Word is supposed to establish our doctrine or what we believe. And it says two things will come to him who does not accept God's Word to instruct, correct, and warn them. Two things will happen. What two things come? Poverty and shame. Everybody say poverty and shame. Poverty and shame. Of course, poverty is not having enough money to pay your bills, to meet your needs. That's poverty. And shame, if you look up this word shame, it means disgrace and confusion. Hmm. Disgrace. Anybody want more disgrace in your life? Anybody want more confusion in your life? No, we don't want that. And yet God says, this is what's going to happen if you don't accept what I tell you, what I have to say to you. He said, you're going to be disgraced. You're going to have confusion in your life. Sounds like a messed up life to me. And I know because that's the life I had before I came to Jesus. So he said, if you accept it, though, on the other hand, you will be honored. The word honored in the Hebrew means to prevail. Uh, It means to be promoted to honor. And it means to be rich. Talking about rich financially. I thought, wow, those three things are what God wants happening in our lives if we accept his word. He said, I'm going to cause you to be promoted to honor. I'm going to cause you to prevail. What does that mean? Well, prevail in life. In other words, every test and trial and hardship that comes against you trying to defeat you, I will cause you to prevail over it. Just that one thing alone is worth listening to God's word, isn't it? He said, I'm going to cause you to prevail in life. He said, I'm going to promote you to honor. In other words, people will honor you. They'll give you honor, whether it's your friends, your family, your co-workers, whatever. They're going to they're going to honor you. And then I'm going to cause you to be rich financially. That means you're out of debt. You have no mortgage on your home. You have our our, our, um, million dollar over a million dollar piece of property that's owned by Larry Hutton Ministries is debt free. Our home is debt free. We have no debt in our lives because of God's Word working in our lives. So he said, you'll be honored. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at some Scripture this morning and this evening and let it instruct us. Some of you it may correct or, you know, try and straighten your thinking out. (laughs) Um, But it's all for the purpose of causing you to be honored, prevailing, and be rich financially. God never tells us things to harm us or hurt us. I I like what you said. God never stretches us to break us or hurt, stretches us to make more room. I'm going to tweet that later. That's a good one right there. Thank you, Lord. So let's go over to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15. And if I turn to scriptures that you've heard before, just remember, you don't know it all. <laughs> I don't know it all. No, we, The Bible says we only see in part and know in part, so none of us know it all. And we could hear a verse a thousand times, and guess what? The thousand and first time we hear it, God could give you more light. More. Come on, how many times have you read a verse that you've seen maybe hundreds of times, and all of a sudden you saw something you never, never saw before? Come on. That's happened to all of us. At least it's happened to us if we're hungry. Because if we're thirsting and hungry, we shall be filled. So God's Word is never ending. It's, it's always full of more. There's more light. There's more revelation. There's more anointing. There's more life. There's more power. Hallelujah. Genesis 15:1. Look what God said. Uh, After these things, the Word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram. I'm your shield and your exceeding great reward. Hmm. Fear not. It's amazing. When I've, when I've read through the Old Testament, and then especially the New Testament, which is applicable for us, uh, every time Jesus ever appeared, or an angel from God even ever appeared in the New Testament to a person, they said, fear not. God never wants us to be afraid of His presence especially since His presence is in us now, right? 
So he said, uh, fear not, Abram. I'm your shield and your exceeding great reward. Now, when I think about Abram or Abraham, uh, he's the Bible says he's the father of us all, correct? Um, and the Bible said, if I belong to Christ, then I'm Abraham's seed offspring and I'm an heir according to every promise that God made to Abraham. So in other words, if God says, Abraham, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, so forth, so forth, so forth, I can say, hey, God's talking to me because I'm an heir, right? So what did he say to Abraham? He said, I'm your shield, that's protector. So this is something I call upon all the time because I travel all the time. Whenever I step onto an airplane, I say, I'm going to the other side. I say, my feet have now tread on this, and God said he's given me every place my feet have tread upon. So now when I'm on that airplane, it belongs to me. That means my angels are in charge, so we're not going down. And if the terrorists happen to be able to show up or get on that plane, they'd put him down. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not afraid of those kind of things. I was on an airplane a couple days after 9-11. Now, I was only one of the few ones on the airplane that were... <laughs> were very many people on the airplane because everybody was afraid to fly, but I wasn't afraid because I knew my angels were in charge. And the couple of people that were on the plane, they were shaking and all worried and afraid, so I had to tell them, calm down, I own the airplane. <laughs> but God said, I'm going to be your shield, and then he says, I'm going to be your exceeding or, or, or barely get by reward. But what did he say? Abundant or exceeding, hmm, great reward. So I looked up this word reward, and if you look up the Hebrew word which this was translated from, it means salary, wages, compensation, benefit, gift. So it's, it's, a fin it's actually a financial term in the Hebrew. This is a, a word that they used in the financial realm. So, so God said, I'm going to be your exceeding great wages, salary, compensation, so when he said that to Abraham, that made me think, because I had studied out. Have you ever studied out over in Luke 16 where God said, if you're not faithful with money, he won't be able to trust you with true riches? And, and you know, there's, you, can have, you can only have one master, but there's two masters that, that want to be your master, money or God. No man can serve two masters. Um, you're supposed to serve God and let money serve you. Amen. So I was studying that out where, where God said, He that is faithful in that which is least, talking about money, will be faithful in much. He that is unjust or unfaithful with money will be unjust in whatever God puts, puts to him, gives to him. And so I remember looking at that verse in Luke and then looking at this verse where God said, I'm going to be your exceeding great reward. And I thought to myself, well, then Abraham had to be faithful with money for God to say this to him. You always use Scripture to interpret Scripture. That'll keep you safe and keep you from having false doctrine. So when I thought about God saying, I'm going to be your exceeding great wages, salary compensation, I thought then, before God said this to Abraham, Abraham must have been faithful with his money. And when I, when I said that, I had this unction to go back and study at Abraham's life. And so I went back and, and um, I was studying Abraham's life and, and wanted to find out why he was in a position where God could say, now I'm going I'm to make you rich financially. I'm going to bless you financially. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be your paymaster. I'm going to be the one you look to. And that's important right there. I had to get my eyes off of of my ability and, and my investments and those kind of things, realizing God's my source. Because actually, if, you, if you've ever read the 73rd Psalm, it talks about both systems of, of financial prosperity that operate in this world. It talks about the world system and God's system. You, you, as a child of God, can get rich in the world system, not with God's blessings. You can still get rich. But it'll eat you up and it'll devour you. Yeah, you can get financially free, but you will not be happy. You will not be contented. You'll be a mess in life 
Because I've seen Christians do it. Not walk with God, yet they use the world's ways to get rich. Nothing wrong with getting rich. God, God wants you to be rich financially. But He doesn't want that money having you. That's why Liz and I are always giving more and more and more and more. I mean, boy, when, when, when Pastor, when they received the, the tithes and offerings this morning for the church, I looked on the envelope to see if I could either use my credit card to give. I looked on the screen if you guys had text to give. I didn't see that, so I just went on your website and I gave. <laughs> I, I wanted to sow. I'm always wanting to sow. My wife and I are always wanting to sow. That's what caused us to be financially free. We let more money go, and God made us richer. doesn't make common sense at all, but we let more money go like a farmer. Let more seed go, and he got a bigger harvest. But as I was studying out Abraham's life, I finally came up because I'm trying to figure out, okay, what did he do with his money up till this point where God said, now I'm going to make you rich. When I came to the, actually chapter 14, right before this chapter, do you remember the story where Abraham went into battle against some wicked kings because the uh, wicked kings had come into Sodom? Remember that Lot, Abraham's nephew, was living in in Sodom, and those wicked kings had come in and stolen all of King Sodom's wealth and kidnapped a bunch of the people, and Lot was one that got kidnapped. So Abraham was going to get Lot to save Lot. He, he went into battle against the wicked kings, and he defeated the wicked kings because Abraham had God on his side. Come on now. We got God on our side. And so he defeated the wicked kings. He got Lot back. But not only got Lot back, when I was reading the chapter, he got not only the wealth that the kings had stolen from King Sodom, but he, he got all the wealth of the wicked kings. So Abraham got a paycheck for obeying God. So Abraham returns from the battle, and that's where it caught my attention what he did. The first, in fact, let's just turn back one chapter. Go back to the 14th chapter. And um, let's pick up the story when he's coming back from the battle after he got Lot and defeated the wicked kings and had all the money. Let's, see, let's pick it up in verse 16, Genesis 14, 16. Uh, Abraham brought back all the goods. Also his brother Lot, his goods, the women also, and the people. Verse 17, the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of Chedileam, the kings that were with him at the valley of Shevea, which is the king's dale or the king's valley. Verse 18, Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine. He was priest of the Most High God. Verse 19, he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. I like that statement. Possessor of heaven and so whose possession is the earth? It's not Satan's. It's not the devil's. He's the God of this world, the system, the glory, the praise, the worship. But he does not own the money. He does not own the wealth and the riches. Our daddy does, which means you and I are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus. It belongs to us, right? Amen. So he said, uh, blessed. He blessed him and said, blessed be Abram of the most high God, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be the most high God, which has delivered your enemies into your hands. And he, that's Abraham, gave him, the high priest, tithes of all. Gave him what? Well, I remember reading this story sitting in my living room in Zephyr Hills, Florida. I had moved moved out of Odessa where I lived and bought a small ranch and was raising Appaloosa horses while I worked at Delta Airlines. And so I'm sitting in my living room reading this story because I'm wanting to find out why God was able to say, I'm going to be your exceeding great wealth and riches and salary and compensation. I get to this and I read that statement. He gave him tithes of all. And all of a sudden I hear this voice from heaven. I mean, it shook me. Boy, I'm, I'm by myself. Nobody's there with me. And all of a sudden, I hear this voice. It's as audible and real as you talking to me. And I hear this voice ask me this question. Did Abraham become richer or poorer as a result of tithing? And I, I didn't know. So I remember because it was audible, I just talked back. I said, I don't know. <laughs> and I remember just sitting there waiting because I hear this voice. You know, I'm kind of freaked out a little bit here. What's going on here? And, and um, I'm just waiting for that voice to speak again. Never did. 
What I didn't know, uh, why God asked me that question, did Abraham become richer or poorer as a result of tithing? Now, when I look back now, I know why he asked me, because I wasn't tithing. And the reason I wasn't tithing is because I thought that I would have less if I tithe. In other words, I'm using my natural thinking. Come on, I, I accelerated in mathematics through college, man. I took every accelerated math course you could take. I thought I was going to be a marine biologist, and so I, was taking, I took calculus, trig, you name it. I took it all, math analysis. I took everything. And so I knew my math, and I knew that if you take the amount that I made and took 10% away from that, which is what the tithe is, if you take 10% away, then I'm going to have 10% less, which means I'm going to be 10% poorer. Come on. Mathematically minded. <laughs> that's, that's the way I thought. And so I knew that I could not afford to tithe because I would have less than I was already struggling to make ends meet. In fact, I was in debt up to my ears already. <laughs> and I could, it just seemed to get, I mean, you get money. I made good money at Delta Airlines. I don't know how it just kept going. It was like you would take your money, put it in a bag that had holes in it, and somehow lose it. And I kept going further in debt. And it didn't make sense to me, but, but you know, was, I kept doing it. And so then God asked me that question, did Abraham become poor or richer as a result of tithing? Because he, he's trying to teach me something, and of course I didn't know. And so I remember I continued studying for the next few months after that experience where I heard that audible voice. I kept, I, I kept studying about Abraham, and I finally got over to the chapter, and I bet most of you remember this chapter, over in the 24th chapter where, where Abraham sent his... His right-hand man, King James calls his servant, he sends his right-hand man back to his homeland to find Isaac a wife. How many of you remember that story? Remember he meets Rebecca at the well and gives her all kinds of money and jewels and all that, and then they go back to, the, uh, to Rebecca's parents' house and, and talk to the parents. The servant talks to Rebecca's parents about Rebecca uh, being Isaac's wife. Well, it was... That conversation that changed me. In fact, we're going to turn over there. Go over to Genesis 24 with me. Genesis chapter 24. Because remember now, a couple months before this, God had asked me that question. Did Abraham become richer or poorer? Well, I didn't know. So now all of a sudden, I get to this 24th chapter and I watch this conversation of Abraham's servant or his right-hand man with, with Rebecca's parents. And look what he said. Let's pick up the story in verse 34. This is the very first words out of his mouth when he's talking to, Re to Rebecca's parents. Genesis 24:34. he says, I am Abraham's servant. Whose servant? All right, Abraham. Verse 35, and the Lord has blessed my master greatly. Wait a minute, who's his master? Abraham's his master. Now he's testifying who blessed his master? The Lord. So the Lord blessed Abraham, and what's the word? Greatly. Hmm, wait a minute. Didn't we read in Genesis 15, 1, that God told Abraham, I'm going to be your exceeding great reward? Uh-huh. So now here's the, the servant, his financial manager, telling Rebecca's parents that, yep, it came to pass. Here it is. I'm going to be exceeding great word. Well, he says, the Lord's blessed my master greatly. Look what he blessed him with. He's become great. The Lord's given him flocks, herds, silver, gold, men and women employees, camels and donkeys. Now, this is interesting because it doesn't say he gave him a flock. It said he gave him flocks, plural. And if you will study what I did, I went back to and studied that time period. If somebody owned a flock, they were not poor people. If they had this flock business, one, one, her, one flock, then it produced a medium income for them. They were not poor. They were a shepherd. They had the flock so they could take them to market. They used the meat, used the wool, used the... They, they could sell, keep multiplying the flock. They made good money. They were medium income folk. But God didn't give them a flock. He gave them flocks, plural. Which tells me then Abraham had a flock and another flock and another flock and another flock. And if you have a bunch of flocks, you need a bunch of shepherds, so you got to hire employees. 
So Abraham had these men employees and probably some women employees that, that helped maybe taking them do the shearing, maybe taking sell the wool or sell the meat or whatever, sell the, the sheep at the marketplace. So you have to have employees to do that. Then it says he gave him herds, but it does not say one herd. Well, when I was doing that study back then, I found out if somebody owned a herd of oxen or a herd of cattle, guess what? They were upper echelon folk. They actually made really good money through the, through the year. So I thought, whoa, God didn't just give Abraham one herd. He gave him herds. Well, then here's a herd and here's a herd and here's a herd and here's a herd. Guess what? When you have a bunch of herds, that means you need herdsmen to take care of them. And then you have to take, have people that will take them to the slaughterhouse and take care of the meat and the sales at the market and all that. So God, God gave him flocks and herds which shows me that God was not against him being diversified in business. He could have different types of businesses. Cattle business is totally different than the sheep business. So he had all these different businesses, and God obviously blessed him because it said he gave him silver and gold. Remember, great, blessed him greatly. So he's got great flocks and great herds and great silver and great gold. And then it said men servants and maid servants, which is men and women employees, and then the finest vehicles of the land. <laughs> now, come on, we can laugh at that, but when I was doing that study, you know what I found out about camels and donkeys? I found out that nobody owned them except the rich people. Let me tell you the categories that I found in the scripture in the Bible that said they owned these vehicles, the camels and the donkeys. Kings Governors, princes, um, kings, counselors, and wise men. Every one of those were, were the very elite and wealthy and rich folk. They're the only ones that owned the camels and the donkeys. Because the camels and the donkeys were the work vehicles. They were the ones that made the money for them and carried the product and took it to market and all that stuff. So when I saw that, I thought, whoa, now wait a minute. We got a bunch of rich folk owning camels and donkeys, and now we're talking about a man of God that owns them. We're talking a man that walked with God. The Bible calls him the friend of God. And here's a man that was not a computer guru and was not a sports figure and was not some, you know, high up king of a country. And he was just a man of God. And God gave him all this wealth. So I'm just I'm going, whoa, I'm seeing all this stuff. And then that, that audible voice that I heard months before came back. But this time it wasn't a loud, audible voice. This time it was just this still, small voice. And you know what that still, small voice said? Did Abraham become richer or poorer as a result of tithing? And now I knew the answer. But I didn't want to answer because I wasn't tithing. <laughs> and I remember when I heard that still small voice, did Abraham become richer or poor as a result of it? I remember answering, he became And then that still small voice, still remember this so vividly today. He said, Larry, called my name. He said, Larry. The reason Abraham put me first in his life financially is because he loved me. With Abraham, it had nothing to do with have to. It was a heart issue and a faith issue. And I remember, that's, that's the day. I remember, I, just, I decided that day, okay, Lord, you know, you've healed me of this incurable disease and you've set me free emotionally. I, I don't have bad temper or anger problems anymore. I don't get depressed or discouraged. I, I don't have worry-filled days, stress-filled days. All, I'm free financially, I mean, emotionally now. Lord, I've got to listen to what you say concerning my money. And I remember that day I said, okay, Lord, I don't know mathematically and, and mentally, I can't figure out how me giving you 10% of my income is going to cause me to get richer. But 
I guess it has to do with me trusting you. And, you know, most of us know Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with how much of your heart? All of your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding in all your what? Ways. Would that include your money? In all your ways, acknowledge him. So I realized by taking the first dime out of every dollar that came to me and giving it to God, giving it to the kingdom of God, I knew that was acknowledging God and he would then direct my paths. And that's what started happening. I mean, I'd be driving down the road and the Lord would speak to me. I saw a car sitting on the side of the road for sale and God said, buy that car. Man, I bought the car, turned around a couple weeks later and made twelve, fifteen hundred dollars that I didn't have a couple weeks earlier. And just one thing after another, then the Lord spoke to my wife and I to buy and sell a house. We bought a house, fixed it up, sold it. That's how part of how we've done quite a few different homes. And that's how we became part of how we became financially free. But it was obeying the Lord because we were tithing and giving. Then he could direct our paths. And then he speaks to us. And some of you all have heard this story. But since there's a bunch of people uh, that haven't. And then God speaks to us, you know, as we're. Get, we're gaining, you know, we're, we're not just tithing, man. We're giving offerings way above the tithe and giving 20 and 20 and 30 percent of our income. And, and um, all of a sudden, the Lord brings us across this businessman. This businessman has this piece of art, and this piece of art is ugly. And yet God speaks to us to buy the piece of art. But we knew it was God. And because we were following him, he knew we knew he wanted us to be honored and prevail in life and be rich. So we knew that he was going to keep opening doors as long as we kept putting him first with our money. We knew he was going to make us rich because our listen, my my heart is not attached to riches. That's why we've given a bunch of cars away. I've had a lot of nice luxury cars, and God said, give that away, give that away. Give. We give away when God tells us to give. Away. I'm looking forward to when he says, give that house away. I am. We're going to give a house away. I got that in my heart, so we're going to do it. But my heart is so... If if God owns the gold and the silver and the cattle on a thousand hills, then don't you think He's wise enough, smart enough to know how to get it to us? And if we're faithful, if we're trusting Him and following Him, then He's going to. He does not want you poor. He does not want you sick. He doesn't want you depressed. He wants you blessed spiritually, physically, financially, emotionally, maritally, socially, every way. That's why Jesus came. He meant what He said when He said, I've come that you might have life and and abundantly and, and overflowing and blessed. That's the kind of life He has for us. Amen. That's why I lay my life down and travel all these days every single year is because I want people to know how good God is. Amen. Wow. And so, so then he tells us to buy that piece of art. Well, I asked the guy, I'll say, how much is the piece of art? And he says, 25. I knew it wasn't $25 because, you know, it's a big piece of art. And I'm thinking, it's $2,500. i have never spent 250 for a piece of art. And now I'm going to spend 2500 for a piece of art. And I said, 2500 that's kind of stiff. He said, 2500 He said, no, it's $25,000. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sorry? What did what, you, you say? <laughs> he, he, he said, it's 25000 And I thought to myself, I will spend 20, if I obey the Lord, I'll spend 25000 on a piece of art that I wouldn't hang in my garage. <laughs> this makes no sense. God said, buy the art. So we bought it. Not long later, God says, sell the art. How, how much did we pay for it? We sold the art for 175000 Because we, now, now listen. I knew nothing about art then. I still don't know very much now, but a little more. But I knew nothing about it, but I knew the voice of God. God has a million and one ways to make you and I rich that we've never thought of. But if, if we don't honor Him, if we don't accept correction, instruction, doctrine from the Bible, then we're not in a position for Him to direct our paths. Because we have to trust the Lord with all our heart, not lean to our own understanding. Can you understand that? Uh, turn with me over to Hebrews 
I'm fixing to close. You know what I mean by fixing, right? <laughs> All right. Some of you laughed. The rest of you didn't laugh. You don't know what I was talking about. So fixing, fixing is kind of like a good southern colloquial term when, when mama's fixing dinner and you know it's going to take a while. But the while that it takes is worth the wait. <laughs> so I'm fixing to close here. But, but, but Hebrews chapter 7, the Lord brought me over here when I was studying out Abraham after I started tithing and stuff. He brought me to this seventh chapter. And let's read the first couple verses here of, of Hebrews 7, verses 1 and 2. Verse 1 says, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a what part of all? Tenth part of all. Now, wait a minute. Isn't this the same story we were reading in Genesis 14? Yep, same exact story. And so when I was reading this, I stopped and I said, Wait a minute, Lord. I said, Why did you bring an Old Testament story of Abraham into the New Testament, put in here for us New Testament Christians. Why did you do that? He said, because you're still under the Abrahamic covenant. And I hadn't thought about it. You know, the Bible says the Abrahamic covenant is an everlasting covenant. It's not the covenant of the law that was Moses. That was a covenant that only lasted until the New Testament. But what about the Abrahamic covenant? It says it's an everlasting. So I asked the Lord, I said, you're right. You said it's an everlasting covenant, which means then I'm still part of the Abrahamic covenant. I said, why is that, Lord? He said, because the Abrahamic covenant was a covenant of grace, just like the covenant you're under in the new covenant. And I never thought about, wait a minute. You know what? The Bible does say over and over and about Abraham. It said he believed God and it was what? Accounted to him. What is that a picture of? Faith and grace. We have faith and we receive grace. God said Abraham believed and God blessed him. So I thought, oh, so that's why it's an everlasting covenant. We're still under it because it's a covenant of grace just like we're under. Faith in what Jesus has done for us. That's what faith and grace is all about is you put your faith in what God's already done for you and His grace is more than enough and sufficient for you in every realm of life. So I saw this, and I, of course, I kept reading. Just for time's sake, we won't read all the verses, but skip down to verse 8. Um, verse 8. Here, men that die receive tithes, but there he receives them, of whom it is witness that he lives. Um, here, men that die receive tithes. Well, here is, first of all, in the book of Hebrews, that means it's New Testament, right? So that means we still receive tithes in the New Testament. And that's important because there's people out there preaching otherwise, but you're going to have to take scriptures out of the Bible if you're going to preach against tithing. Listen, for us, we do not have to tithe in the New Testament. Oh, did you just hear what the prophet of God just said? Yeah, listen to me. Watch my lips. You do not have to tithe in the New Testament. Abraham did not have to tithe in his covenant. There was no law. We're not under the law. Abraham was not under the law. With Abraham, tithing was not a law issue. He didn't have to do it. He wanted to do it. It was a lordship issue. It was a faith issue. With us, it is not a law issue. We don't have to do it. We get to do it. It's not a law issue. It's a lordship issue. It's a love issue. What a difference that made when I learned that. Because I remember for years, I used to tithe because, oh my God, I got to, I have to. God's making me do it. I have to do that. I have to tithe. And I never did it in faith. I did it just out of, oh, I've got to do this. That's law. You're not operating under grace at all. In fact, you've fallen from grace when you do that. But then I realized, oh my goodness, I get to do it this this is because I want you to be my Lord. This is a, a, a faith in you. I'm trusting in you with all my heart. That's why I tithe and give finances to the kingdom. And then, guess what? Like a good farmer that's plant seed, harvest is going to come back, and harvest is always bigger than seed. So notice it says here in the New Testament, but here is on the earth. Here, men that die receive tithes. There, he receives them. Who? Who's he? 
Well, some of the translations make you think it's Melchizedek, but what you need to understand, I think it's either seven or nine times in Hebrews 5, 6, 7, and 8 that mention the name Melchizedek. Every single time that it mentioned Melchizedek, it's in conjunction with mentioning Jesus, showing you and me in the New Testament that Jesus is our high priest like Melchizedek was Abraham's high priest. That's why it always ties it together, Jesus after the order of Melchizedek. So, So this verse is talking to you and me in the New Testament that Jesus receives our tithes like Melchizedek received Abraham's tithes. But here was the catcher, and this is what I've, this is, everything I've said up till now is what I've tried to get to this point right here this morning. This is what the Lord wanted me to get to. So the Lord spoke to me and he said, Larry, I don't receive the money up here. I thought, what? He said, I don't receive the tithe up here. I said, yes, you do. It says so right here. <laughs> I said, you receive tithes. He said, no, I'm not receiving the money. If you look up the word tithe, and I looked it up, and it's talking about the physical money, the 10% you and I give. He said, I do not receive that up here. I don't need that up here. He said, that's for down there to operate my kingdom down there. He said, up here, I'm looking to receive. And where is Jesus? Seated at the right hand of the Father. So what is he looking to receive? This is what he said. He said, I'm not looking to receive the money. I'm looking to receive something else. And without it, it is impossible to please me. Without. Without. Come on, let me hear. Without. Oh, my goodness. And I saw something I'd never seen before. For years, I tithed and it didn't work. I mean, when you read about all the different tithe scriptures, it says windows of heaven, blessings are going to come to you, and all these blessings are coming. But for some reason, I was tithing and not being blessed. And then I saw, oh my goodness, Jesus is wanting, when, when I let the money go out of my hand, I'm supposed to be letting faith go out of my heart to Jesus. So that this is a faith issue, a lordship issue, not a natural issue, not a law issue or a have to or just a a money transaction. No, I'm putting money into the kingdom, but then I release. That's why I was so blessed. Your pastor got up. I love this man. I love this couple. I remember back in what is 2004, I think it was, when when he invited me to come preach and I couldn't even pronounce a Kodiebo. I still don't know if I can pronounce it. It's close anyway. <laughs> but I said, Akodia, what are you, what? <laughs> what, what? What did you say your name was? <laughs> Good luck. He just made it simple for me. <laughs> but I love what he did this morning. He got up and he led you guys when you were tithing and giving. He led you in a what? Confession. You know why? He's trying to get you to release faith out of your heart through your mouth. To Jesus. Now, if you just say it because He led you to say it, there was no faith involved. But if you will mix your faith with your words, I'm telling you, Jesus will receive that word and then He will present it to the Father and the Father will watch over His word to bring it to pass. This made a huge difference in mine and Liz's life. All of a sudden, we started seeing financial blessings flowing that we hadn't seen before. Oh, my goodness. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. So I can't wait till tonight because I'm going to show you some other things the Lord showed us. And I'm telling you, these things, in fact, in fact, there's a, I'm not going to have time to teach on one thing, so I'm just going to mention this. Um, there's a CD series. If you, if you have been tithing, but you're still not financially free, this series you need to get a hold of. Or if you tried tithing and it didn't work and then you quit, or maybe you've just been, you know, now and then when you can afford to tithe, you tithe. Listen, if it hadn't worked for you, get a hold of this series, Divine Economics, because I'm not going to get to teach this, but this is a, a vital key for the body of Christ. In fact, the majority of the body of Christ doesn't even understand this. That's why their tithing is not working for them. But then... What we shared this morning, 
And then what I'm going to share tonight are two major keys. Because if we're tithing, and even when I know pastor is going to receive a love offering for us in just a minute for our ministry, even when you give to our ministry, don't just let the money go out of your hand. Make sure faith goes out of your mouth to Jesus. From your heart, through your mouth, make it a time of worship to the Lord. A time of thanking Him. Lord, take this money. Bless the pastor. Bless Larry Hutt Ministries wherever you're giving. Lord, receive this and cause it to go further than it could in the natural for them. And Lord, then, Lord, thank you. You're going to be my exceeding great reward. Amen? Because I'm Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And then, I'm telling you, you'll, you'll I guess maybe tonight's message could be one of the top two reasons why people are not prospering financially, even when they tithe and give. You can be tithing, you can be giving and giving and giving and giving until you have nothing left to give and wonder why it's not working. And, and you'll find out one of the reasons, one of the major reasons tonight. Um, do you guys have this queued up back there? Um, I'm going to have you play it in just a second. We, if, if you haven't got a hold of the Heaven's Wealth Food Scripture CD, how many have the Health Food Scripture? I know a few of you have the health. That's our number one seller. Oh, I wish I had time. Maybe I'll give you a testimony tonight. We just had a couple of people that were completely uh, about to die less than six months with, with uh, stage three and stage four cancer. Both of them totally got healed listening to the Heaven's Health Food CD. Uh, no, they got no medical help at all. They, they got no, no medicine, no nothing. They didn't go to the doctors. They went to Dr. Jesus, and all of their cancer disappeared while they were listening to that CD. Well, this is on wealth scriptures, like that health scriptures, and I'm going to have you give them a quick sample. Go ahead. Yeah, thank you. Praise God. I don't preach or teach. I just quote scriptures. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19. If you be willing and obedient... You shall eat the good of the land. The good of the land. The Rotherham translation says, If you be willing and hearken of the good of the land, shall you eat. The basic English translation, If you will give ear to my word and, and do, it, do it, the good things of the land will, will be yours. The New English Bible says, Obey with a will and you shall eat the, the best. best that earth Yes. The Living Bible says, if you will only let me help you, Hear the heart if of God. you will only obey, then I will make you rich. You can cut it right there. I just wanted those of you that are not familiar with our scriptures, because we, we have a lot of different scripture CDs on different subjects. This is one that you fill your heart with financial scriptures so that you have faith to release whenever you're tithing or giving you just you want to have the word in your heart to speak through your mouth when you do that so that's available hey last time i was here we ran out of the scripture cards how many bought a scripture card last time i was here okay so we brought some more uh the lord told me years ago he said i want you this year just to study one verse of scripture per week man i i i tried to read through the bible in a year but and I couldn't even remember one thing I read at the end of the year. I got through the whole Bible, but I couldn't quote one of them. But then when I took one verse of Scripture, just one verse a week, meditated on it, spoke it out throughout the day, at the end of one week, boy, I knew that Scripture. I did that for a whole year, and at the end of the year, I had 52 verses of Scripture that I didn't just have in my head that I was able to quote, they were part of me. They were ingrained in the fabric of me. When I faced battles, tests, and trials that, that those the Scriptures applied to, I could pull them up and do battle and always get the victory. So that's why we put together 52 cards. It's a deck of cards. And each card has the Scripture on the front and then my personal confession on the back. For example, this one is a healing scripture, Exodus 15:26, where God said, I am the Lord who heals you. On the back, my confession is this, and you can make it yours and then change it to be your personal. But I said this, Lord God, I thank you that you are my healer. You are my physician. You're my life giver. I thank you, Lord, that you bring me healing and health. I thank you that you have made my body immune to sickness and disease. I declare that my body's immune system is stronger than all sickness and all disease. Lord God, since you are the Lord who heals me, then I am healed. I'm not going to be healed. I'm already healed. Thank you, Jesus. You are my healer, and I am healed. That's what those, each one of those cards are about. 
So we ran, since we ran out of them, I wanted to bring them back and give you all opportunity to get them if you want to. And then if somebody comes to my table and says, I'm just going to buy one thing, what would you recommend? This is what I always tell them without fail. He was, I am. The most powerful teaching, the most necessary teaching in the body of Christ today is who does God say you are so that you know who you are, so that you know what your purpose is in life, what your calling is, what you can do. Who does God say you are? What does God say you already have? And then what does God say you can already do? Five CDs over five hours of teaching. And then for those of you that really want to learn more about finances, if you happen to like reading my book on God, the gold, and the glory, We'll teach a lot of stuff. I mean, I'd have to stay here for weeks to teach a lot of stuff that God had me write in that book. So if you want a financial teaching, pick that up, and it'll, I know it'll bless you. Let me pray for you today. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes in reverence to God real quick? Father, I just pray for my family in the name of the Lord Jesus. Lord, if there's anyone here today that does not know you, you, they've never made you Lord. I just pray, Lord, just give them a glimpse of how good you are. Just reveal to them that you love them. But the Bible says the goodness of God will cause people to repent. So I pray that not one person within the sound of my voice, whether in the building or listening to this recording later on, I pray that not one single person would reject Jesus and turn him away, but all the, all would receive Jesus and make make heaven their home and make the kingdom of God and the family of God their family. And Lord God, I am praying that for your honor, for your glory. And now while heads are bowed and eyes are closed and Christians, our family in, a, in just an attitude of prayer, I just want to make sure if, if someone's here today and you're not saved, I want to pray for you. I'm not going to call you down front. I just I want to pray for you. If you've never accepted Jesus and you want to, God's given every human being a free will. He does not make anybody get saved, but He sure wants everybody saved. So much so that He sent Jesus to die on your behalf so that you don't have to die and go to hell. You can die and spend eternity with the family of God in heaven. So if there's anyone here today and you've never accepted Jesus and you would like prayer, slip your hand up high enough that I can see it. Once I see your hand, I will acknowledge it. Once I acknowledge you, you can put it right back down. Is there anybody here with the uplifted hand you'd say, I've never accepted Jesus, but I want to today. Please pray for me. Anyone in the building? I've not seen a hand yet, so make sure if you do hold it up, you hold it up high enough that I can see it. Anyone you'd say, I've never accepted Jesus. I, I don't know if I died this week in an accident or something. I don't know where I'd go. Then let us pray for you today so you'll know. Because every one of us that have accepted Jesus, we know we have eternal life. We know where we're going when we die. Is there anybody here need prayer for being saved today? All right, lift your head up. Open your eyes. Look at me real quick. Everybody, you, you know that you know that you know you have accepted Jesus, and you're not ashamed to admit it. Hold your hand up real high. Come on, hold your hand up real high. And if your hand's up, look around and see if there's anybody that doesn't have their hand up. And ask them if you can pray for them later. <laughs> Amen. All right, you can put them down. Looks like we're all saved here today. And if you're saved, which all of you lifted your hand and said you are, then you need to be filled with the Spirit so you can pray in the Spirit. If you're not filled with the Spirit and you want to be, see Pastor, see Pastor Angela, see me, see Pastor Amy, see somebody, and we'll get you filled. We'll make sure you get prayed for before you leave. Once Pastor Goodluck receives the tithe, or the offering for our ministry, then... He'll dismiss us, and I'll be back by the product table in case you have any questions back there. But just do me a favor. If you know anybody that's struggling financially, invite him to tonight's service because I'm going to share some good stuff this evening. I'm, we're going to come at 6. We'll be done and out of here probably by 730. won't be long, but just come and get, get those of you that got part one this morning, get part two tonight. <laughs> Amen. And uh, I know you'll be blessed. Let's lift our hands up just a moment and thank God. Lord, we just thank you. Thank you for the time we had in worshiping you before the Word. Thank you for the time we've had in the Word. Thank you, Lord God. You are Lord. And that those of us that are here today, some we already are tithing and we just got refreshed and renewed and strengthened regarding our tithe. There's some here that have been tithing off and on, and then there's some here that have not been tithing. Lord, you just 
You just helped us all today. You gave us instruction. You gave some correction. You gave us all doctrine, Bible doctrine, so that we would be honored, prevail in life, and be rich financially. So that you would be our exceeding great wages, salary, and compensation. Thank you for that today, Lord. Thank you for opening our eyes. Thank you for setting us free. Thank you, Lord God. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. You are good and your mercy endures forever. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen, amen, amen. Pastor, come on up. I'm going to turn this over to you. Sure love you guys. Thank you for allowing me to minister this morning. You know, as he was praying, I heard this in my spirit. Financial freedom. That's freedom also. And God can make it available to all of us. Um, I come in the morning here every day when I'm around in town to pray. But I've always prayed for all of you that God will bless you financially. I mean it with all of my heart. I want God to bless you. I know what it is to be a minister and the needs, the things that we could do if the finances were there. And uh, I don't tell any minister coming to speak, I want you to teach on this. I don't do that. I let them be led of the Lord. But I've been praying in my heart for you. And I mean it. I want to see God bless you financially so you don't struggle. Your family won't struggle. You don't have to have trouble paying your bills, paying for your children's fees, and all of that. God can do it. God can do it. If we will only trust Him, money is not evil. Is the love of money that's evil. God talks a lot about money. It's religion that tells you don't even go there. That's religion. It's not what we can get from God. We are serving Him. And we want His will to be done in our lives. When you give, the windows of heaven to open. Not just for finances. I want God to teach me. That's what I came here for this morning. I want God to teach me something new that I can use for my life. You know, I'm going to read a scripture here. I've always taken this scripture to heart. It's in uh, Galatians chapter 6. He says, Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. I received this morning, I received a great word of God from God. And I'm believing God for the blessings for my family and for the church. My family and the church. And God's going to bless us. I've often said, my children, they will all be rich, whether they like it or not. The riches will come over them and knock them over. They'll be struggling to get up overnight. <laughs> amen. Because God promised it. Amen. And that's for every one of us. Can I hear an Amen. That's for every one of us. Make up your mind. God wants to establish his covenant with you. I will be here tonight to hear God's word from the man of God. And I will receive. I want God to sharpen me in this area. So that God will continue to bless Angela and I. And then our children after us. If Jesus tarries and their children's children. To a thousand generations if Jesus tarries. Amen. So God wants to bless us. He says in verse, uh, verse 7 of the same uh, chapter, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Who wants to mock God? <laughs> he says God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. I just take what God has said, and I, come, I came knowing there's going to be a guest speaker today. I came ready to give. Amen. And I'll come ready to give tonight as well. Amen. Now, we're going to say that uh, confession again. But don't say tithe. Say, uh, say offering, okay? <laughs> no tithe because we've already given our tithe. Everyone ready to give? Would you stand up? Please put that word up. So we're going to go, Lord, I worship you with my offering. 
I thank you for bringing me out of bondage into blessing. I believe I am now free from poverty and lack. Everything I put my hands to prosper. Satan, take your hands off my finances. Lord, let the ministering spirits be released. Let them gather in my harvest now. In Jesus' name, amen. Put your hands together for the Lord. And get ready to be here tonight. Set aside Super Bowl. Angela and I will record it, even though I'm the only one that will watch Angela. (laughs) Angela knows nothing about football. (laughs) I've tried several times to teach Angela some football. She said, I've given up. (laughs) It's not working. (laughs) And you can't enjoy the game by yourself. So I just go back sleeping (laughs) and let the television watch me. She'll tell you. I thank God for bringing uh, Brother Larry into my life. I got two Larrys here this morning. <laughs> and uh, thank you, sir. God has really blessed me with, with your ministry. And I met uh, Brother Larry in Georgia. I was actually traveling and ministering, preaching. It's just uh, healing meetings I held. And somebody told me he was with, in town. Athens, Georgia. So I was free that evening. I ran to hear the man of God. And you prophesied over me. I don't know if you remember Pastor Tony's uh, church. I was in a pastor then. Didn't know what what light I had for me. But God has fulfilled all the word. Amen. Would you stand up? We're going to give God thanks. Can we go? Can you give me? Give me uh, Psalm 103, from verse 1, we go through 5, we're going to be saying it, okay? And say it like you really mean it, not like, mean it, okay? (laughs) Psalm 103, verse 1, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name, verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Amen. What's the good thing? The Word of God. God bless you. We'll see you tonight.